Hello, welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. This is a space where searching, hurting, faithful, curious people come together and ask hard questions and listen to wise guests share how they have lived life deeply. There are a couple of things that you can do that really help out the show. One of them is if this episode is something that blesses you, can you please send it to a friend? Another thing is that if you really liked it, then could you please leave a five-star review and write something nice? You can follow along at YouTube slash Allison Sullivan for some really fun extras. Find me on Instagram at Allison M. Sully and TikTok at Sullivan Family TikTok. Thanks for being here. I hope you hear something today that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Center Saint Sister. The Paschal Mystery. It's a process of dying and rising. It's about death and new life. In the church, there are four parts to it. Suffering, death, resurrection, and glorification. And in this cycle, we learn that new life can come from death, that we can find meaning in tough times, and that there really is light in the darkness. We learn that all life, all of nature, obeys this rhythm of dying and then rising. And if we were listening to the world, it might be easy to get caught up in a different story. We ascend. We achieve, we try our best, we work hard, and we're good people, and then good things are owed to us. And those good things, well, they ensure our happiness, and then we will live a good life. Or conversely, you don't work hard, or you have some moral failing, some character flaw, and bad times, they will certainly come your way, and you will have deserved them, and then you will be miserable. Now, We might buy into this story, but if we do, we need to be clear that it is not the Christian story that we have inherited. In fact, it's really bad theology. As Christians, we believe that the way up is down, and that the first are last, and that we are blessed when we mourn, that we lose our lives and find them. This is what it means to be countercultural. Christ's experience of suffering, death, and new life has forever changed us and it has given us a different way of living. And if that's hard for us now, well, it was also hard for people in Jesus's day who saw him as a contradiction of terms because if Jesus was Lord, well, then he couldn't be crucified. And if Jesus was crucified, well, then he couldn't be Lord. And it might seem tragic or absurd or ludicrous that dying becomes resurrection, but we hang our faith on it. We can be resistant to this message of death and new life, but death no longer has the last word, and Jesus proves this is true. This is the Paschal Mystery. My friend Kayla Craig is one of my favorite writers, and when I started considering why, I realized it wasn't only her beautiful essays, touching and detailed, but it was also her commitment to the hope in dying and the glory in rising. She embraces all of it in honesty, knowing God is faithful. She's a creator, an entrepreneur, an author, and my friend. Hello, Kayla Craig. I am so happy that you're finally here. I feel like we've been trying to make this work for a while. And you are someone on the internet that I feel like I should have found much sooner. You, the way that you write and the way that you think and the way that you post, I am always met with you with like a feeling of relief. It's like there's this sigh that says, okay, I'm not alone here. And you might be, I don't know, like putting excellent words to a common hurt or a common frustration. You might be celebrating a simple joy or fierce love or something, whatever the case, whatever it is that you're thinking, writing, praying about, it's always said in a way where it feels really accessible. Like even if the situation is a little bit different, it's deep, but accessible. And in that that space where you have created something, this common experience, it becomes really collective. And you are so good at creating a space where it feels like everyone belongs. And I'm so grateful that you're here. I wish I would have known about your work sooner, the second you started writing. Um, But I really just found you within the last, I don't know, six months or so, something like that. And it's been a goal of mine to have you on since that time. So I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. 
Oh my gosh. That was such a gracious introduction. And you know, the feeling is so, so mutual. We have had so many mutual connections and mutual friends and our paths just didn't cross. And now it's like a treasure trove and I'm catching up on, on all the good things that you're creating. So I'm really, really excited to chat today. Well, you have recently wrote a devotional. We're going to talk all about that. And I think that the topic that you've chosen and then just like devotional in general, there's just going to be a lot of hopping off points from there. And so I'm excited about our conversation. But in an effort to introduce your own self to people that might be listening, can you start us off by telling us a little bit about who and what you love? Yes. Oh my goodness. I love so many things. I have, I'm Enneagram <laughs> 8 with a seven wing. And so it's mm-hmm. like, I love all the things, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. But I have I have four kids. They're between the ages of seven and 13. So we're, we're kind of in different seasons right now with yeah. that. Two joined our family via adoption. I gave birth to two. I love our hometown that we moved back to. Uh, my husband and I grew up here and life took us other places. And we just kind of decided to put down roots here. I live in a former convent in um, Waterloo, Iowa, Eastern Iowa, kind of a mid-sized town. Um, And the Sisters of Mercy used to live here in the Hmm. 50s and 60s. And so I feel like when we walked into this house, it's a big old house, and I just felt the sense of peace. So Mm. I love where we live. I love our neighborhood. It's very racially and socioeconomically diverse. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I love my husband. We've been married 15 years, and I love to write. I've always written in all sorts of different ways. Uh, my background's in journalism, um, and now I write kind of in the spiritual formation, prayers, and liturgies world, and I'm so grateful not only that I get to write, but that I get to connect with real-life people mm-hmm. and try to share words that they can borrow for their actual lives. That's what I love yeah. the most. Mm. I'm having a blast. This is completely beside the point and an aside and not important at all, but I have a blast following you on threads. I feel (laughs) you are a threaded queen. I feel like you have just taken that platform and made it your own and I'm loving it. I feel like when I'm on threads, I'm like throwing a pebble into this like really um, like, I don't know, empty abyss. And it's like, anyone? Anyone? (laughs) Hello? (laughs) But you're, you're killing it there and I love it. Oh my goodness. You know what? I feel that way too, but I just decided this is going to be a space where I just show up as my weird self. You yeah. know, like this is my personal space where I'm just going to be me yes. and show up and Come see. And sometimes I, I just shout into the void and, and nothing happens. And other times it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, me too. That was such a weird thing you said, Kayla, but I'm totally <laughs> vibing on it. <laughs> I love how we can like take each platform because you're right. Like I, each platform gets a version of myself, you know? Yes. And I would say that TikTok is my favorite self, you know? And so yeah. threads, I'm still kind of trying to figure out who that girl is. I don't quite know. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's start off with every season sacred. And um, like I said, I feel like there's a lot of places we can go here. And I, I love that. So you recently wrote this devotional and I have a confession to make. And I don't mind confessing this to you because because here's what here's why. Because I feel like you'll resonate with this sentence. I hate being normal, but I hate feeling different. Okay. So so there's yes. that. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that I can say this to you. I don't like devotionals. Oh, I don't. me neither. <laughs> me neither. There's a reason why this book never says the word devotional. In it. Yeah, not, that's right. Okay, one. so I'm sorry. I shouldn't yes. say that. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> but you're right. It is. It's kind of for a devotional for people that wouldn't normally go for a devotional. Yes. So yes. I was, it's funny because I sat down to like write this and it felt a little bit uncomfortable to, to say it. But then I was like, no, I know that I can say this to you. And the thing about devotionals, which this is clearly not, is that they're, they seem um, preachy. They seem mm-hmm. oversimplified. They don't ever leave quite enough room for, for my doubts or my certainties or my bad moods. And mm-hmm. when I tell you that this is different, I want to put in all caps, in italics, bolded and underlined all of the ways to say this is so, so different. You leave so much room, and I'm certain that this is intentional. So can you tell us a little bit about what your goals were? Can you tell us a little bit about your process? 
Uh, well, thank you for receiving it in that way, because that was really the hope. And as I was pitching it to my publisher, they were kind of like, well, we haven't really done anything like this before. Yeah. But I'm like, hear me out. I wanted to create something that cared for the soul of a parent in a way that felt applicable to our actual lives, right? That didn't mm. turn away from the wondering and the pain and the lament and the injustice of the world and also made space for awe and wonder and connection. And so yeah. it's kind of a two-part book it's split up into the four seasons because I live in Iowa, right? Where it's like four very distinct seasons. So if you don't live Congratulations, in a, you know, by climate, the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's totally okay. But it was just a way to kind of give some framework to the book. And there are no dates in it, which was really important to me mm -hmm. because who, like, I just feel like that's too much pressure. I don't have time for that. So we're split into the four seasons. Each season has a week. There are like 13 weeks in each kind of section. And mm -hmm. then in those weeks, there's a reflection, which is kind of like a mini essay that follows yeah. a particular kind of timely theme. Then there are scripture references. If that feels like a resource to you to, to you know, kind of look up on your own, there's a breath prayer. And all of that is for you, the, the parent. And then kind of based on those themes, there's a whole list of kind of connection questions or prompts yeah. that mm -hmm. you you can kind of tweak and borrow and make work for your family and whatever season of life you're in. And you don't have to gather around the table to do it. You can talk about it on the way to basketball practice, you know, like right, take right. one question per week yes. and just think about it and talk about it. And then my first book, To Light Their Way, is um, a collection of prayers and liturgies from the perspective of a parent. And I heard from a lot of readers that do you have prayers that we can share with our family, with our kids. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so there's little prayers for each week. There are two prayers. There's kind of a younger version, simpler language. And then there's a little bit older, a little maybe more poetic, a little deeper language, but just you can pray it if that's yeah. a resource to you. I just wanted to give parents the tools to have because we don't have time to do anything, right? right? And our world is so overwhelming. Our brains are constantly flooded. Yep. How can we offer an exhale in our yeah. actual lives so that we can get on with living into our values and live out our values of caring for our kids with empathy and compassion um, and all that yeah. good stuff that we want? You also have so much grace because this is just the truth. The truth is, is that I will get in a mood to find a new way to work out. I will get in a mood to get a new face serum. I will get in a mood to pick up a book and I will use it religiously for about 14 days and then I will set it down. And then if it's good and if I enjoyed it, I will come back to it. And you mm -hmm. leave so much room for that. You leave so much mm -hmm. room to just be in process and for this to right. not be one and done, for this to not be rigorous. And so when I say that that you have allowed space, I just, I want you to know that this is something that I have been using and it is, um, I, I feel enveloped by such patience and kindness. And so I'm just super, super grateful. I love it so much. Highly recommend. Um, that said, you really seem to value being in process. You know, mm -hmm. um, you are really comfortable, Kayla, with a messy middle and not in such a rush to find a tidy bow to stick on the top of something. And I think that this is so valuable because there are so many people reorient reorienting right now. Mm -hmm. The truth mm -hmm. is that we have been in the middle of cultural and political upheaval. And we are dealing with a church's response or a church's lack of response. And people mm -hmm. are reckoning. And so when we're trying to get our bearings in the midst of doubt, we need something like this, you know, to be able to pick up and come back to without the pressure, without the expectation. Do you mind talking a little bit about honest doubt? You seem to value that and maybe allowing room in our faith for good questions. Yeah, I, I'm so grateful that you felt that when you opened yeah. the book because that was such a, a heart of mine and prayer of mine that people, maybe they haven't been to church, maybe they had a hard experience in a mm -hmm. faith community, whatever it is, maybe they're kind of untangling, like, what did I grow up learning? What do I believe now? What do I see in my own life? What do I see in scripture? Like, 
everybody is on a faith journey, right? It's not like this one and done choice and then we're smooth sailing. And so I wanted to create space for parents like me that are like, I want to pass on a faith to my kids, right? There, there are certain things that I do believe, like I do believe, you know, in Christ. And yet I have a lot of questions in that. So how, how do I answer my kids' questions when they're really difficult and I don't even know this out for myself? And so I just wanted to create a space where curiosity is welcome, where you can feel affirmed that God is not worried about your doubts, that you can have questions and you can ask those questions with your kids and you can enter yes. into that curiosity together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that just even that idea of um, doubting, it's that's never um, permanent. You know, it's yeah. like we always kind of tend to find our way back. And then once we found our back, we always tend to want, there's a wandering, right? To our spiritual, yes. you mentioned the word yeah. journey and that's just it. And so in that truth of this not being um, a path uh, laid with certitudes, right? That there is this call to embrace the season. This is the season that I am in and I can sit with it. So something is either always coming or going, right? And um, just like we know that an endless summer, um, you know, would like scorch the earth or a never ending winter would, would, produce nothing. Mm-hmm. We also know that these bad times aren't going to last forever. And we know that the good times aren't either. So I guess I'm just curious, what what was it about seasons that captivated you enough to write about? What season are you in right now? How are you wintering? What's, what's, what's going on with you personally? Yeah, I love the rhythm of seasons. Uh, you know, I reflected on when um, I was pregnant, it was in the winter, right? And I felt mm. like winter was literally never going to end. It was snow, it was ice, <laughs> it was gray, it was dark, it yeah. was sad. Uh, and then I had this baby and I just look out the window and look at the tree and the tree is barren. The tree is you know, ice coated and it felt like, is there anything happening under the surface? And then when I felt like I was most kind of giving up in my own mothering journey, these green sprouts started, you know, bursting forth from these branches. And it's just this visual reminder for me that there's the cyclical nature of life, that there's the cyclical nature of seasons, right? That time is kind of this circle that we're constantly moving through and that God meets us in that and that our kids are in different seasons, you know, mm-hmm. that we're in different seasons mm-hmm. of parenting. The The parent that I am now mm-hmm. is not the parent I was five years ago. And I hope is not the parent I'm going to be five years from now. Like I pray right. that I grow in wisdom and empathy and compassion and, and all of these different things. And so it's, it's really interesting because we do have these, these rhythms of our days and of our lives and, you know, professional seasons, personal seasons, parenting seasons. Um, it's just, it's rich with imagery to Mm -hmm. pull from. And so I think that's why I, I gravitated toward it because I wanted parents in a lot of different spaces to be able to find themselves, to find something that they resonated with on the page. And so for, for us, you know, in the parenting zone that we're in right now, we have a seventh grader. That's our oldest. He's 13. And I need all the tips from you about parenting teenagers because it is a totally different season. (laughs) It really is. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, we have a daughter that has Down syndrome and she has a different season of developmental um, Mm -hmm. growth and, and what she needs. And so I just feel like every kid is kind of in this different bucket. And so I am trying to grow as a mother and as a parent in my season of life where I'm not the, the new mom, but I'm also not wizened and like understand what's happening next. So I'm kind of in that messy middle myself. Yeah. You know, in making peace with that, even if it's, you know, making peace with having a lot, having to wear a lot of different hats because kids are doing a lot of different things, but making peace with even like a, a winter, like an unproductive winter where we're really just kind of a establishing roots. You know, I think that our culture can really value this budding, this growth, this flowering, you know, that's what we want to celebrate. But I think that we can make a mistake of easy meaning good and, and hard meaning bad 
And so a lot of celebrating the season that we're in is kind of disrupting that bad equation. You know, um, yeah. can you can you talk to us a little bit about a barren winter, the, the necessity of something that might not look the way that the world would be quick to celebrate? Yeah, I love Catherine May's book, Wintering, yes. and I pull from some of that in the mm-hmm. winter section of Every Season Sacred because it was such a balm to me as yeah. of somebody that always feels like I need to be producing, that I need to be yeah. thinking ahead. I'm so future-oriented, and there's kind of this rooting down in winter where you are a little more contemplative. You are a little yeah. more hibernating, you know, and maybe our season of wintering is actually happening in the summer, but we ourselves are in, yeah, Yeah. kind of, kind of that season where that's not a bad thing. We wouldn't have spring if there wasn't, you know, I'm not a botanist or a scientist, but there (laughs) is life happening beyond what we can see in the winter Mm -hmm. time. And we Mm -hmm. need those times of rest and, you know, of Sabbath. And maybe the Sabbath needs to be a whole season where we're just percolating or we're just processing. Um, We're just letting ourselves feel our feelings and sitting in that sadness is not a bad thing, like you said. You know, I know you and I have a lot of the same heroes, which by the way, I want to ask you about one. Um, Because you do, you quote really amazing people that I I was thrilled to see that we love a lot of the same people. But um, I know that we have read a lot and and learned a lot about deconstruction and and any old person can deconstruct, you know, can just tear something down recklessly, but it takes a lot of wisdom to reconstruct. And so I think that's Mm -hmm. what a lot of us are doing right now is we're reconstructing, but Mm -hmm. um, a good portion of healthy reconstruction is making peace with the deconstruction. And so I was, I was thinking about that, this deconstruction that people might, um, I don't know, want to roll their eyes at, I don't, um, or shame is it's not a Judas slipping away in the middle of the night moment. That's not what deconstruction Mm -hmm. has to be. It's more of a Peter moment saying to whom shall we go? Where else should we go? Mm -hmm. You know? And so I, I like the reframe of that. This is a good, healthy thing. Winter does not Mm -hmm. have to be, this, oh, well, let's just make peace with everything sucking right now. It's like, yeah. but it's useful, but it's useful. Right, right. We, we need it. We need it. Yeah. Okay. So you did, you have a lot of heroes that you have quoted. Will you, I feel like you quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer a lot. Do you have a, a particular affection or affinity for him or where did that come from? Oh, How did that start? Yeah. You know, I think reading life together was maybe one of the first books that broadened my Mm. imagination of what Mm. the kingdom of God could be. And just his personal story that he actually lived into his convictions. And, and I just find him a very fascinating person and, you know, try to be so cognizant and not like, lionizing or like creating Mm, somebody mm. to be a hero, but remembering Mm. their humanity. Mm. Um, And that's something that I try to do and try to really, you know, in the back, in the index, it's just full because I didn't want the book to be just the words of Kayla, right? Like I think the way I think because of so many people in my life and including words that I've read of another. And so I was, Mm. I was cognizant to really include a lot of different people, a lot of different backgrounds and thoughts. Um, And I really didn't want it to just be white women, right? I'm a white woman. I didn't want to just include people that look like me, think like me, but, but cast a wide net because there is so much, you know, fruit out there. And that has been so beautiful in my own kind of faith journey. Yeah. You also um, quoted Sue Monk Kidd, who is another just cherished thinker and writer um, of mine as well. So I love how you start off explaining um, that following is, it's not just another item to check off of your to-do list that that was, that really wasn't um, a goal for you, but instead it was an invitation to unforced rhythms were your words. And I love that so much. This is an invitation to unforced rhythms because Jesus is always inviting us. He, he knocks and he waits, you know, it's Mm. always a gentle woo. And so I, I feel 
like because we like to operate with the comfort of certitudes, of certainty, mm-hmm. we really want to strong arm a lot of things instead of offering something beautiful and then mm-hmm. waiting for a response. So um, I love that so much. There's so much mm-hmm. permission. You said to release the breath that you've been holding. Ah, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Oh. I just thank you so much. But do you have anything to say? What is the danger in treating our faith like a list of to do's? Because isn't that a great temptation? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then it leads to burnout, right? It leads <sighs> to, oh, just another thing I have to do. There is no kind of heart transformation, right? Yeah. I, I say that prayer is this mm. kind of ongoing conversation that we're having with the one that gives us each breath. And when mm-hmm. we think of prayer or we think of, you know, spiritual conversation or reading scripture, whatever it is, as just something to check off, we lose that kind of transformational ongoing conversation yeah. because we we all have really long to-do lists as it is, especially in like the thick of parenting. Yeah. So this is, this is something that I hope takes something off of your shoulders, you know, yeah. flip it open, use it when it works for you instead of just more things on top yeah. of your shoulders. I was thinking about when I wanted to ask you this, I was thinking about to-do lists and (laughs) I was thinking about the motivation of them because I mean, our faith should be this greatly personal thing. You know, you're talking about this relationship, this ongoing conversation, and it should be super, super personal. But when we make a to-do list that is probably nothing more than a list of things to do and a list of things not to do. And when we reduce our faith to that, if we were to get real honest about that list, if we were to get real honest about the motives underneath it, I have, I think that the danger, I think that potentially this can become a tit for tat relationship yeah. with God, where it's like, if I do these things, then you will answer with these things that I want. And mm-hmm. so we get into this bargaining with God yeah. that falls so short of the intimacy that yes. we need, that he's longing for. Yeah. So when you think about a holy rhythm and when you think about the benefits of, I don't know, I just think there's something so, I don't, there's a better word than romantic that you would be able to find, but um, of just a slipping away, you know, Mm. just slipping away for, for space and silence. How has space and silence enhanced your motherhood or or shaped your motherhood or, or even been a challenge in your motherhood. Yeah. 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 I think when I hear you talking, it's it's so good. I think of the intimacy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and being sneaking away doesn't look like maybe getting up at five in the morning and lighting yeah. a candle. Yeah. And your house is just this like like den of peace and zen, right? Like that's great if if you could do that and that works for you. But for me, like mornings are chaos. My life is loud. My brain is loud. The scrolling I do is not helping me. It's causing more noise in, in my soul and in my mind, mm-hmm. and in my spirit, right? Uh, so for me, it's being cognizant when the noise gets to me too much to stop what I'm doing. And like breath prayers have been such a resource for me because it helps me get back in my body. It helps me remember, okay, like God, you are with me, you know, like just this inhale and exhale. It doesn't have to to be this profound thing. It can be, it might look that way in a different season. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was nursing my babies, I had a lot of time that I was awake, even if I didn't want to be awake, right. I was (laughs) awake and I, and I would pray because you know, that's what I had. That was what I had available to me was prayer. And, um, so I think it shifts and changes, but right now in all the things that I'm doing, I'm trying to turn down the noise because my inclination is to play music or an audiobook Mm -hmm. or a podcast. And all of those are great things, but sometimes when I'm driving and I feel like I'm Ubering kids all over the place all day, I turn it down and I realize like, okay, I need to stop listening to my friend's boxer message or whatever it is. Yeah. And I just need to breathe. I just need to be with God. And that doesn't mean I'm closing my eyes, right? My hands are on the steering wheel and I'm driving and yeah. I'm still present to where I am. But it's kind of this, this reordering and this recentering that has yeah. been really helpful for me. Yeah. Well, and I love the realistic approach of it's probably not going to happen with a candle at 5 a.m. Thank you yeah. for that. Um, 
Now, I love the components of what you've written because um, there was this, I had this moment with, with my daughter. All of my kids are extroverts. Um, mm-hmm. I'm an introvert. And they're all very easy to connect with because of their yeah. extroversion. Um, they're, they wear their emotions on the outside. I know exactly what they're thinking. Um, now, there's, there's a shadow side to that, too, when I need some alone space. But I have I have one daughter who is more like me that she's most likely to be the one to slip away upstairs and to kind of disappear Mm -hmm. into a book like she's the one that I really have to take by the shoulders and say, do I love you well? Like, how am I doing? You know, I know how I'm doing (laughs) with the others. I get a lot of feedback. But um, what I started with her. And, and I don't know if we found, if we did this by accident, I don't know how, I, I don't remember how it started, but I ended up because of something that worked, maybe I left her a note on her pillow and then she left me one back and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this could be a thing. But we started a journal. It was, and it was just the two of us and we would pass. I know, isn't that precious? Maybe I, maybe I saw it on something. I don't know, yeah. but we started passing a journal back and forth and it wasn't every mm-hmm. night, um, mm-hmm. but I would know things about her. So this could make me cry. I would know things about what she was up against um, through this journal more so than she would like corner me in the kitchen like my others might or start right. up a conversation in the car. And mm-hmm. I was so grateful for, that I happened upon that. And I feel like what you have created here, Kayla, I could cry about this too. Mm-hmm. It is it is so multifaceted. It's such a multifaceted way into our families these relationships that we cherish the very most, you have these questions that, that you could ask. There's no format of how to ask them. Ask them for what works best for your family. It's, it's not prescriptive. You have these breath prayers. You, ha- you know, there's just so many ways that you have um, incorporated for us to find one another, even though mm-hmm. we're living within the same walls. Was there a favorite part for you to write? Oh my goodness. You know, I shared, first of all, I have like a little, my eyes are a little wet right now. So uh, (laughs) that was just so beautiful to hear, uh, especially as somebody who processes through writing. And I consider Mm, myself pretty extroverted, but like to get to the deeper stuff, Mm -hmm. I have to write it out. And so to imagine you receiving that and her sharing that is just this mutual of beautiful mutuality that um, is very moving. But, you know, yeah, I think my background as a journalist really helped me when I was thinking about these connection questions. And they were so fun to write. They were fun to kind of brainstorm sometimes with my kids too, you know, because it's so easy to default to like, did you have a good day? Or how was your day? But kind of these we kind of get the same answers all over. And so I, I really enjoyed brainstorming kind of these thematic questions um, that kind of go a little deeper. Um, and and sometimes they're funny answers, right? And sometimes they're really tough answers that we don't even have the answer for and we kind of have to think about it. And there's other times where it's really like moving or our kids say something that we have no, you know, like sometimes my kids are like, butts, poop. And then sometimes they're like, sometimes they like come up with this profound spiritual truth. And I'm like, what, where did that come from? I would have never thought of it in that way. So I really liked kind of working on those questions. Yeah. Well, I, I, there's something that suits every single personality in my home. So Mm. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you did that, but it's, it's truly remarkable. Um, before Mm. I want to finish with like, with what you're hopeful for, I know that we just started a new year and I love how you kind of buck that too. Like, (laughs) Hey, we're starting this new year and this is like, everybody thinks it's their time to be a different person and yet we're still (laughs) us. And so, um, but I, but I do want to know what you're hopeful for. I usually close interviews with that question, whether it's the new year or not. Um, but before we do it, what's going on? And like, do you feel given all the multiple personalities when we're raising big families, you know, that all yeah. of our kids are so different. And I know that yep. you are a parent of a kid with disabilities, as am I, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. adoptive and biological. Mm-hmm. And yep. so there's just a lot going on in one home. Yes. Do you, I, and I know that, that, through, you know, you process through writing, as you've mentioned, um, you have a lot of tools for um, staying true to yourself. Because mm-hmm. as you serve all of these people, there is a call back to center in order to do that well. 
how have you, and I, because I think that this is true for a lot of moms, they, they don't feel they might lose themselves in the serving in this self-donative thing that we do day in and day out. Do you have any advice for a mom that might look at you or that might look at me and say, I'm like, I'm raising these kids. I don't have time to, to, to be creative. I don't have time to write anything I care about. I don't have time to sit and talk with a new person who's brilliant. And you know, like how can we encourage instead of discourage the, an overwhelmed mom? Gosh, you know, I've been there. I will continue yes. to be there. Like that is yeah. so real. And there, we have so much kind of cultural expectations put on us. And at the same time, cultural guilt placed on us, whether that's kind of our outside world, even our church world, sometimes our family world, our family of origins. We saw our parents act a certain way. And so then yeah. we are pressing up against that. And I think for me is when I start to feel that way, I have to remember that God didn't make a mistake. I I tell my kids this, right? God didn't make a mistake in creating you. And I have to remember that God didn't make a mistake in creating me, that God is working in my life. And yes, through my family, right? That's so huge. And there are other parts of me too. And all of that makes up the mother I am and the parent I am and the partner I am and the believer I am. And so remembering that like that that pull I have to write or to connect with people or sometimes my work takes me in traveling, that's not a bad thing. You know, God has made me in this way. And so to to incorporate, you know, wherever you feel that tug, that pull, that's not something that, you know, you know, we have to be wise, but we don't have to feel guilty for that. And it might look different in different seasons, right? You have toddlers and babies, you're probably not going to have a lot of extra margin, but giving yourself space, even within that, you know, to, to do something for yourself, whether that's like emotionally, mentally, professionally, spiritually, you know, for your body, whatever it is, that's good. And that is making you a more present, more connected parent for your kids. And it's important for your kids to yeah. see you doing that. Yeah. 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 Preaching to myself right now. Of course. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, I think it's important because we can just be swallowed up by our, our to-do lists and, and the things that we feel responsible for. And I think that it's easy to look around at other people who seem to be, I don't know, you know, it's not that we can't have everything. It's that we can't have everything at the same time. And so it's yeah. like, that's true. And it's not true. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we can have a little bit of everything at the same time, but it, but we do have to adjust expectations. And so I think yeah. this is what I was going to say is that I think that it's easy for people to look around and say, well, she was just born different than me, or she just mm-hmm. has more hours in the day than me. And that's actually not true. You are yeah. just as equipped to do the thing that you want to do, a lot of times I think it's making peace with what you love because it might not be writing this beautiful, you know, essay. It might not be, uh, you know, having a, leading an interview. It might not be something, anything that's done on a stage, anything that even other people see. It might yes, just be something yes. that stirs your soul, that lets you know there's more to this life. There is something that you love. And if we could just make a discipline of a couple of minutes a day, and this to me is what you offer with breath prayer, is mm-hmm. just time to sit with what do I love? It's just, yeah. it's space, it's silence. And then how do I make just a little bit of time for that, for me to feel more mm-hmm. like me? Eve Rodsky calls it the unicorn space. Jen Weiler calls it blue flame. Like, you know, there's mm-hmm. all of these names yep, yep. for it, but there is something that makes you feel alive. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I, you know, I think we, we can like flip through a catalog of gifts and like mm-hmm. yearn for things that will never be ours. I'm not ever right, going right. to sing. It is for the best. Yeah. The Lord knew like <laughs> dogs, howl, babies cry. It's like, you know, but um, yep. anyways, making space for, for the things that we love. Yeah. Okay. What are you hopeful for, Kayla? Oh, man. You know, it's hard because it's so easy for me to feel cynical, right? Like, I'm tender to the world. I see these headlines. I I see so much going on. And that can zap my hope. 
And yet I feel like I'm like grasping hope with like the most stubborn, tightened like fists that I can. And I'm so stubborn in hope that there can be spaces of belonging, you know, in my home for Mm. my kids, for Mm -hmm. myself. I'm stubborn in hope that we can work toward a flourishing for all, you know, and it Mm. starts small and it looks small. And I'm involved with kind of different community organizations because I've realized that is where, that is where maybe I can get these glimmers of hope. I can work towards something where people are cared for and, and taken care of and, yeah, so I think that gives me hope is that there can always be more belonging. There yeah. can always be, yeah, more spaces of welcome and mm-hmm. and that gives me hope. Thank you. I love that word belonging so much. It's so important. I um you know, offering a godly belonging where people are incorporated, you know, and I have felt so helpless when it comes to headlines, so helpless. And I am right along with you. The only thing I know to do is to reach out to my community. And so we, we have a lot of similarities that way. I I love that about you. You feel like just Mm -hmm. a a kindred spirit. Um, How can we follow you? What do you have next? What's coming up? How can we support you? Give us some marching orders, please, Kayla. I love this. I have loved this conversation so You're much. You're so truly. lovely. <laughs> so listen, I have family in Iowa and oh, you do. I, mm-hmm, and I'm, I'm, I am making you see me. <laughs> okay. Yes. I am. Please. I'm forcing a date is what just happened. Yes. <laughs> I, I am willingly accepting that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I am praying about my next book. Um, I am hopeful. I just keep imagining that a billboard is going to be flashing and it's going to tell me which direction to go, but I have, I'm making peace with, I just have to follow these little breadcrumbs, right. And, and see where the spirit is leading. So I'm excited about that. This year I started something called year of breath, which is an invitation for parents weekly. There's weekly editions that I'm writing and you get them every Sunday morning and there's kind of a reflection a breath prayer, some reflection prompts for you, and then kind of a communal community element. And, um, you know, I've been writing on the internet for years. And so I wanted to create something that I felt like might be worth somebody, you know, if it worked for them to, to pay into, right. I wanted to create something where it's like, if, if you have the margin and the space and you can join us, that it would be something for your soul. And so it's a paid community, $8 a month. But I always tell people, if that doesn't work for you, reach out to me and we will give yeah. a scholarship for you. But mm-hmm. um, I really enjoyed working on them. It holds me accountable. It gives me an intentional rhythm because I can often yeah. be unmoored, you know. And so I'm writing that. That's kaylacraig.substack.com. Um, Excellent. Weekly newsletter. And mm-hmm. I'm on Instagram, liturgies for parents. And then my personal account is Kayla underscore. Craig. And like you said, I'm really weird and random on threads. <laughs> Highly recommend the threads too. In addition. But, yeah. yeah. And then KaylaCraig.com is where you can go for all of that. Um, and my books are To Light Their Way and Every Season Sacred. Every Season Sacred. Everybody go buy two and give it to a friend. Give it to a mom friend. Um, thank you so much, Kayla. I appreciate your space in the world and how you spur others on, how you offer encouragement and hope, um, especially when things look bleak. I am so grateful for your bright light, and I pray that you never quit writing. I am a, such a fan, and I'm glad to say friend now. Thank you so oh much God. for coming on. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. See you soon. Hello, Beefy. How are you doing? Hi, Beefy Beef. Glad to be here. Well, we were going to talk about rhythms and routines and things like that. And so speaking of, I have not seen you in way too long. It's good to see I you. I know. I know. We need a date. It's been a minute. Life. Um, so I really was excited to finally get to meet Kayla. She's a really fun follow for me. She's a beautiful mm-hmm. writer. And the, I loved getting her on the show. We'd been trying for a while. So love, love, love. She has like really, really good energy. I, I was mm-hmm. feeling like she's like, she's down to earth, right? Like, I feel like I could hang with her, but you could just sense her wisdom and thoughtfulness mm. that makes you want to learn from her, right? Like the perfect yes. kind of person. Totally. Well said. Um, she's had a lot of things that resonated with me, actually. Does your family have any 
Okay, I'm going to give an example because I'm like throwing this question on you so you can think about okay. it for a second because I have two okay. examples. And they're silly. Like I don't want depth right now. I just want – do you have an okay. example of a time where your kids are like, mom, do the thing because it's routine, like because it's expected or because it's rhythm? So for example, every – night that we sit down to dinner and not every night because we don't sit down to dinner every night, but you know what I mean? Yeah. When, when we sit down to dinner, we do happiest and crappiest. Now I think a lot of people call it roses and thorns or whatever, but we are a happiest and crappiest. And there are times that I don't want to do happiest and crappiest because a lot of times Uh people are talking over each other and it, it kind of, it's a little, it can be a little chaotic. Okay. Uh So sometimes I will try to like slide right past that part. And my kids are like, now hold on just a minute. Because this is this thing that they have relied on that they like. Okay. (laughs) So another example, just real quick, simple. When they get out of the car for school or before they, you know, leave the door or whatever, I have always said since they were teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny, be kind, be brave, be you. Okay. So those were the three things. And so they love that. They expect that. But it was almost to the point where Silas would, if I would ever forget, Silas would kind of linger Ah, and until it. I said it, you know, um, do you have anything that your family depends on? Whew, that's a big question to hit me with. Um, I depend on sounds really big, but I will tell you yeah. something right now that we're saying that we love. So both kids have done things, but the kids have done things recently that are new that are causing a lot of anxiety that are just making them really, really stressed. Right. And so mm. I will say to them, they'll be like, mom, I'm really scared. Mom, I'm really worried. And I say, what else are you? And so we've Mm. gotten to, I'm prepared. Mm. I'm um, smart, rested, whatever other. So every time those, those words come to your mind, you switch them. But then somehow we added to the list gorgeous. So I say, (laughs) what else are you? And they say, smart, prepared, and gorgeous. And then so now we'll just do like a little whisper, like you're gorgeous. Like whenever they're looking nervous. (laughs) You don't even know about that one. That was brand new. Oh but we my do gosh. A lot of gorgeous speak at the Kelly House. Right nice. Nice. So Being adopted into the Sully yeah. household ASAP. <laughs> yes. They, um, Hope actually had a basket, I mean, a softball tryout this weekend. And Mike texted me, he was with her, and he said, Hope's really nervous. And I said, I texted back, tell her she's gorgeous. Okay. Well, I need to know <laughs> how that was, how that, how was that spelled over text? I need to know. Yeah. <laughs> It's oh hopefully goodness. a capital G A W. Like lots of uh, um, adjectives. I mean adjectives. Yes. Uh, vowels. vowels. I knew what you meant. Um, how <laughs> funny! Like that. I that I that made sense to me. Um, uh-huh. Okay, so go ahead. What are the things that really resonated with you, Beef? She just talked about like being really present um, and finding that space, and it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, our pastor does a really really good job during the service. We have a time of offering, mm-hmm. right? So we have you know worship, we have the message, and then we have the time of offering. And oftentimes in a lot of churches, including ours that's the time of financial giving, right? We're offering our Mm -hmm. money. Um, But there's a focus on offering ourselves in response to what we have just heard. And so we have these two minutes and she sets it up every Sunday, like pretty dramatically. She's like, okay, you guys, like, this is it. This is your time. You're about to go out into the world. Like after this, it's grocery lists and baseball practice and Mm -hmm. job stress and whatever else you've got going. But right now we are going to, this room is going to get quiet we're going to listen to some music mm-hmm. and you have two minutes that are yours to just mm-hmm. offer yourself and be present. And it is profound beef. Like it has mm-hmm. become a whole thing. Like want to hear what I heard in my two minutes, like Mike and I talk about it on the way home from church and it wow. is without fail. It's like a very clear, like reach out to this person, mm-hmm. tell miles the answers. Yes. To that thing that he's been wanting to do. Um, just, just very like concrete things, but um, just, being present, being intentional has had such an impact. And it is two minutes, two minutes the entire week. And so I've been thinking about <laughs> trying to increase that to, you know, maybe a hot five minutes per week. Um, but anyway, that that came to mind. It just that's that's what it is that I'm craving um, is the things that she's talking about is just having that um, connection. Right. And making that a rhythm and a ritual. Well, and OK, so funny. I bet that if she ever forgot or 
something was running long and she wanted to skip that or whatever, that y'all would respond. Y'all would say, hey, hey, wait, (laughs) this is this thing that we've come to rely on that that brings us comfort. So I love the idea of ritual or rhythm that Mm -hmm. brings us comfort that kind of roots us to this. I have this dear friend, her name's Rocky McCormick. Everybody go follow faster. Um, Mm -hmm. And so she's just a dear friend. She's been on the show before. And she will put out a Facebook post like, oh, it's family prayer time. Um, put your either DM me or put your prayer requests in the comments. And it can, you know, just sometimes people will just say personal intention. And, um, and it's this rhythm for her family that I bet they love. And I can't mm-hmm. imagine doing that. But why can't two minutes become five? Rest. Why can't, <laughs> you know, why can't we build off these things? Anyways, this book of Kayla's is just such a valuable resource for all of these ideas. It's not just one idea, you know, like you don't have to just sit down and do this one thing, but there's multiple things that we can do together to be more connected. Mm -hmm. What's something that you're doing right now? So you were talking about the, the two minutes in church service, and it reminded me of the 10 minutes, like five to 10 minutes at the end of a yoga class where Mm. You just lay there. And it's interesting because the way up is down, right? And so it seems like, oh, I'm doing nothing right now. I don't want to do that. That's I'm not, I'm not burning any calories or I'm I'm not out the door so that I can get a quicker start on right. whatever. And yet when you embrace right where you are and sink into that moment, there are treasures for you yep. there that you can slide right past, that you can not be attuned to. So I am someone who has to make slowing down a discipline. I just am. Absolutely. And so an intentional, even if it's just five to 10 minutes of just quiet, like just laying right. there. <laughs> so the breath prayers. A, yes. Sorry. And the I breath prayers that a, she, <laughs> the breath prayers that she offers, like literally just at a red light. Right. And I think you have to make it a practice too, right? Because you have to learn to trust that you will receive something in that moment, right? It seems like a waste. It seems like something else should be happening that's more um, active. So I yes. think that we have to practice it to teach ourselves and prove to ourselves that how valuable it is. I love that because, so one thing that I always say in yoga is we have a tendency to think that the next moment is more important than this one. Mm-hmm. And and we have to sink right, right where we are because it's the only thing we can effectively change. You know, we're always trying to pull ourselves forwards or backwards. So there's nothing we can do there. But Amen we can affect right here. Okay. Yay. Love you, beef. Have a happy day. You too. Bye. I am so, so grateful for you, listener. If you liked this episode, could you please do me a favor and hit subscribe and leave a review? It really helps the show grow and I would be so appreciative. Thank you so much to our guests who share their gifts so generously with us. And a special thank you to Taylor Schroll, who does so much behind the scenes to make the show great. If it weren't for him, I would still be in my closet with my iPhone. You can follow along at Forte Catholic as well. That's Taylor's show where I show up now and again. And to keep up more regularly, please follow along on Instagram at Allison M. Sully or TikTok at Sullivan Family TikTok. See you next week. Today's show was a production of Allison Sullivan in conjunction with the Forte Catholic Podcast Network. For more great Catholic podcasts, head on over to ForteCatholic.com slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.